Hey everybody, welcome back to Studio HFL. I'm Larry Powell, your host for this podcast. I'm glad you're back for another interview. I'd like to let you know that this podcast is made possible by the generous support of my new co-sponsor, Messina Covers. David and Erica design and deliver both high-quality customer service and products, both standard and custom. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net. And Messina is spelled M-E-S-S-I-N-A-C-O-V-E-R-S. They offer their support through Patreon. Patreon is a funding platform where you can offer your financial support to this podcast, and your help will go towards hosting, production, and marketing fees. There are several tiers of support offered, and you can check out how you'd like to support this podcast at www.patreon.com slash studiohfl, and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can also offer support by providing comments and a rating on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. If you'd like to receive news regarding interviews, new guests, access to Studio HFL merchandise, please subscribe to the newsletter by going to www.powellmusic.net and click on the subscribe to newsletter link. And of course, Powell Music, P-O-W-E-L-L-M-U-S-I-C dot net. And now, on with the interview. Okay, so this is normally a trumpet player's podcast. Well, I am honored. Well, I have to say, well, I'm I'm honored to have you here. <laughs> um, it really, I think, should just be a musician's podcast because mm. it doesn't matter what instrument you play. I mean, if you're a good musician, you've got some great things to offer. Mm. So you're the second trombonist that I've interviewed, mm-hmm. and I'm so thrilled that you're here. So for the the listeners here, I'm happy to have today on the Studio HFL podcast. Abby Conant. Abby, welcome to my podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I tell you, it's uh, it's an honor to get to interview any musician who says yes to me, because <laughs> I just, I'm, I want the attention. That's what it's all about. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, let's start, well, with, uh, we're here at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville today. You're here to do a master class tonight, mm-hmm. and... Performance are you doing a... of Aletheia on Friday. Okay. And At 6 you, p.m. <laughs> and you mentioned uh, you're on a tour. You're on a little tour here. Yeah, it's a big tour, actually. Big it's, tour. It's two months. Yeah, about 18 cities. 18, oh, my. Yeah. So when did this tour start? Uh, February 15th. Where? Uh, well, uh, let's see. The actual first gig was the Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of... We're winding our way through the South. Mm-hmm. Then we went to Arlington, UT Arlington, and then um, then we went to Arkansas Tech, mm-hmm. Mississippi. We've been in Mississippi two places, and, mm-hmm. and now we're in Tennessee. And this tour will go how long? Until just before e- uh, e- Easter. Mm-hmm. And then back home? Well, we'll see, right? Well, that's right. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. By the way, home is where for you? Well, I live in Germany. I've lived there 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What part? Right now I live in uh, southwest, which is the Black Forest, about mm-hmm. an hour south of Stuttgart. It's called, mm-hmm. I work at uh, the University of Music in Trotzingen. It's a state conservatory. I lived in Germany for four years, a long time ago. Uh-huh. My dad was uh, Air Force. We were stationed over there Oh yeah. just outside of Stuttgart. Okay. And I remember Ludwigsburg Castle and... 
uh, traveling to the Black Forest. Yeah. I, I was young. I was really young, but I just remember how beautiful uh, the scenery was. Yes. And I, I have this desire to go back. I'm sure, you know, a lot of things are still there. Yes. I hope they hope they're still there. I they might so. look a little differently. Germany uh, doesn't change that much. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I was in Kiel not too long ago, mm -hmm. and even the coast, that's the first uh, port that I'd been to, and I thought, oh, this is just, mm. it's beautiful. So. Yeah. But you're here in the States doing your tour, uh -huh. and I'm curious, um, what prompted the tour? Was this a, a, something you decided, I want to go and present um, this? Is it a particular kind of music that you're playing, or... Well, actually, the, this particular tour, we weren't really thinking of doing a tour, and and a, someone said, please come, and, you know, he was very insistent, mm -hmm. come and play at our school, and, you know, he offered, like, a more money than we asked for, quite a bit more, <laughs> like twice as much, mm -hmm. and we thought, well, I guess we'll do, maybe we can make a tour around that. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it started, literally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we had uh, we had this piece. We've done a tour before. It was like a 24-city tour three years ago. Mm -hmm. It was more northeast oriented. And um, it's it's the piece is called Alethea. It's a it's a music theater piece where I I play trombone, of course. Mm -hmm. I sing, and I. I pantomime, I, I use movement, mm -hmm. and I'm in a cage. So basically I'm an opera singer in a cage who's trying to decide whether or not to go down to an opera gala where she was invited to sing. It's sort of a fundraiser type thing. This is fascinating. Sing for the, the rich people, basically, and she just kind of is conflicted about it. She doesn't, doesn't feel good to her. Did you write this piece? Well, I ended up writing about 80% of the libretto, mm -hmm. and, but my husband is a composer, William Osborne, mm -hmm. and we've been doing music theater works for m many years, and uh, and this is our latest, and um, yeah, and we just want to show it to people and see what they think. So this know? is not your typical recital with, <laughs> one, you know, an opener, a second no. piece, a third piece, intermission, and da-da-da-da. This is... No, you've never seen anything like this. I guarantee, yeah. and, that, and that's not a, a braggy kind of thing. It's mm -hmm. just true. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's. Uh, we feel like we've invented a new genre, and we and, and I'm you know I'm pretty sure we have. A musicology student at our last concert said, "This is a new genre. I've never seen anything like this." <laughs> you know, how how would said, you classify it? What would you well, call that? Well, we call it chamber music theater. Mm -hmm. And chamber music theater is something that has um, really been something that composers in the past have tried to, to figure out and mm -hmm. basically, we think, failed. Schumann tried. Beethoven, I think, tried. You know, a number of pretty good composers they weren't <laughs> took bad. a whack at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and really didn't come off. They kind of came off as melodramas or just not integrated and we mm -hmm. wanted to integrate all of basically all of the arts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that that hails back mm -hmm. to um, the uh, Florentine Camerata who they say in our history books basically invented opera mm -hmm. the whole idea of it but their ideals were never realized because there was a it was quickly the opera became just focused on the voice capital T capital V 
right? So it became, became all about the voice. Mm -hmm. And that's where the integration stopped. That's where, you know, when Bel Canto took over, which is, of course, I love it, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't? But it just became um, kind of park and bark, as they say, right? <laughs> That's and a term we usually think about with drum corps and, and marching band. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I've yeah. heard it only in terms of opera, Oh. where you just kind of stand on the stage. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's okay. And and howl and and warble, and you can't understand a single word, and that's why they have those, you know, the wow. digital. Um, so this this is there. beyond um, uh, performance pieces like uh, I know there's Ligeti, uh, uh, something on the macabre. I don't know if. You're, uh, mm. But it's, you know, it's, there are winding up newspaper and the orchestra is doing, you know, all these extraneous sounds. But this is beyond that, right? This is in, you this know, there's a vocalist. This is yeah, it's this one person. It's a one-woman show, so to speak. And it, it, the focus is, you know, we have one single image. And we, we've got these, these basic ideas from Samuel Beckett. We studied his, his you know, plays and all for about seven years and and set many of them uh -huh. you know like Winnie from Happy Days and um, Ham from Endgame and other things uh -huh. Rockabye and such and and he that was kind of his his vision was just this one one you know no set changes or any of that stuff uh -huh. just one single vision you know rich symbolically so that you kind of never get tired of looking at it for an mm -hmm. hour mm -hmm. and everything flows from that vision basically so when you say um one woman show one mm -hmm. person show no collaborative artists off to the side no mm -hmm. accompanists mm -hmm. no it's just you no and it's all um it's all notated my husband has william osborne has Notated every move, all of the sta the the what do you call it? The stage directions mm -hmm. are in the score. Everything you need is mm -hmm. there. Little sketches of how you know set up and where to put the speakers. It's surround sound. Mm -hmm. um, everything basically you need to to produce the piece. If anyone else will eventually do it, we hope we hope that will happen. So this is this is a premiere. Or no, did you premiere it back in I Germany? I premiered it at an International Trombone Festival mm -hmm. in, in Los Angeles in 2017, I think. Oh, okay. So it's been around Something for a little like bit. That. Has it evolved since the beginning? As In terms of adding or subtracting text or music, no, not mm -hmm. in that sense. But just in terms of trying to understand the character is, is always a puzzle. She's, she's a, an enigma, you know... Wrapped in a mystery, as they say. <laughs> right. Yeah, what does that mean? So, yeah. how, how does that come to you as, as an actor? I mean, as a musician, it's one thing to hold up your trombone mm. and be expressive that, ba that way. Mm. But what about as having to communicate with the way you move your body and how you use your voice? Did that come naturally to you? I suppose I, I had some sort of knack for it, mm -hmm. yes. But I had to learn a lot. I... When I was in Munich, in the Munich Philharmonic, I had, um, you know, on for, during free time, um, I was kind of always interested in, I guess I took, ma starting with this, I took pantomime as an elective at Temple University as an undergraduate, because I didn't want to 
burden myself with anything where I had to think too hard mm -hmm. or write papers. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I just thought, I'll take pen of mine. Yeah. As it turned out, he was a fantastic teacher, he's yeah. German, and he was in a wonderful um, group called Zero Moving Company. Mm -hmm. and, and so I learned some very important basics that I thought um, pertained to to playing mm -hmm. very much so and presentation mm -hmm. and uh, and I immediately really wanted to do the Barrio Sequenza mm -hmm. and use some of these uh, the stuff that I'd learned. Okay, so or, the, or, the, the the pantomime they, you know, that's fascinating. It's because boy, I think of musicians and how that would put them and take them out of their comfort zone mm -hmm. so quickly. Mm -hmm. Right, there's security about being behind our yes. our mouthpiece. We hide behind our horns. Right, <laughs> but do. now you're out there, and it, and it's not just you're out there. You're by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I hope I'm not jinxing things and making you think, oh my gosh, I've never thought about it before. Now I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm terrified now about what you know going on stage. That's funny. Um, yeah. But I mean, obviously, this is it's, you say it comes. Maybe not naturally, but uh, I have a tendency. Tendency, yeah, <laughs> for that. Yeah. Um, well, this is fascinating. And what if this is a start of a, a really unique and neat movement? You know, creating this new genre. Uh, we hope Inspiring so. others to to create in the same fashion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, have you seen? Speaking of that, have you seen efforts to for anybody to do that, or or has Michael? Uh, done any your husband right Michael no William William that's all right that was a test oh. <laughs> I'm kidding I'm totally Did kidding I pass? yeah well if, I hope so I hope so um, William I'm so sorry uh, okay. William Osborne mm -hmm. uh, has he begun work on another sort of thing like this no we're still kind of we're still you know it takes us a long time to understand and and try to see the breadth and depth of our characters I mean, in a, in a way, we're, you know, we don't know what all this means either. Mm -hmm. You know, the creative process is pretty mm -hmm. mysterious. You know, you're kind of delving into your subconscious and unconscious. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, you're still plumbing the depths of, of who Aletheia is. So when the trombone comes into play, Mm -hmm. Are are they motives, leitmotifs? Are they... Uh, well, well, I would say... How does that relate to the character? I would say, in a sense, there's um, like a an announcement or, a, or an, an overture, if you will, or a, a fanfare to Aletheia at the mm -hmm. beginning. And then she kind of goes about her preparations for getting ready to go down and sing, mm -hmm. putting on her makeup and such worrying about thinking about things and oh they're out there and all that kind of thing and and then the next time she plays it's basically her really starting to to criticize and and make comments about the whole you know you know the public that she's playing for mm -hmm. and their values and is it right and public, you know, talking about arts funding a little bit, too, throwing mm -hmm, that in there. Mm -hmm. All of her thoughts are kind of coming out, and I'm kind of, I'm saying these things and then playing and then kind of back and mm -hmm. forth with the trombone in a kind of very energetic way. And then the final time I play is uh, kind of after she's gone through a lot of emotions, and, and it's a very, very gentle, soft, sort of very expressive kind of little segment you know where, mm -hmm. where I use the you know the, 
the trigger pulled out um, so that I have kind of a muted effect when I press the trigger. And, and, and it's just a, a, just a kind of a, it's kind of like I have no more words left. Mm. And so I'm going to play mm -hmm. to express what I feel. Going between singing and playing and dialogue, mm. how, are those transitions? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've rehearsed this. This is an mm. easy thing, but was that an easy thing to At to the do? beginning, <clears throat> the very beginning when, when I started doing this, um, it was actually a, a Beckett piece called Winnie where I was, you know, just <laughs> playing and then, you know, that kind of thing. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> wow, that was, that was tricky at first. But then I got the hang of it. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't even tell you what, if I had to, you know, explain exactly how I made adjustments, I probably couldn't really tell you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just by doing it, you know, you sort of get the, get the hang of it. And I, and I think, you know, the process of having to learn to sing that was uh, incredibly foreign to me. The, the, even the very thought of singing, let alone mm -hmm. alone on a stage. Um, I, I mean, this is the thought was terrifying. But it just sort of came up because my husband wrote this piece called Winnie, and she's up to her waist um, in the earth at the beginning, and it's kind of a post-apocalyptic vision, right? Mm -hmm. And then in a hill, and then. And then at the end, by the end, she's up to her neck, buried in the earth, and um, trying to remain positive the whole time. Wow. <laughs> and so he auditioned various singers, you know, opera singers, and uh, they were all like, oh, this will hurt my voice, and oh, I can't, you know. And they were just, you know, all of this kind of stuff where you couldn't understand any of the text, sure. and the, t the text to <laughs> us was so incredible. You know, mm -hmm. Samuel Beckett, you mm -hmm. know, one of the greatest writers since Shakespeare, right? And very musical words. And, and so Bill just said, you know, you need to learn how to sing. I think you can do all of this. Because we were going to use a singer, and then I would have been the trombone player, basically, right. playing her husband dressed up, you know, in yeah. male <laughs> right. drag, right. whatever. And uh, uh, so we... So he basically, I had a year, and I just met this boy, the singer at a festival one time, and mm -hmm. at the right, just the right um, time, mm -hmm. had good timing. And she, I said, I need to learn how to sing. Oh, I can teach you how to sing. And it just so happened, I met her in Switzerland. It just so happened she lived in Munich, just like I did. Well, there you go. So Was, she gave me intensive lessons um, on diction or vocal just production. Just how to sing. How mm -hmm. to use your voice? How to talk? I, I mean, I could hardly talk. My family <laughs> talked back in their voice, you know, in their mm -hmm. kind of in their throats, and so I really had. I was below ground zero there, <laughs> and had been traumatized in like third, fourth grade. Oh my! You know, well, in a, singing in a choir and oh, I see, kind of thing. I see. <laughs> anyway, so well, this is fascinating. I can't wait to see this. Well, I, I'm just, uh, I don't know, I, I get excited about new uh, mm -hmm. new music and new ventures. And I mean, 2017 doesn't make this, you know, new today, but I mean, it's still new in the scheme, grand scheme of things. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like I say, I've, I've never seen anything like this yeah. genre. So you mentioned uh, Munich a couple mm -hmm. of moments ago. 
of course, that's how I first heard about you. Mm -hmm. So could we talk about that for just a moment? Absolutely. So you're kind of a big deal. <laughs> and that you really, well, you stirred the pot. You broke the glass ceiling. I mean, however you want to phrase it. Mm. You did something that, uh, that caused quite a stir, and that was what year? Was it early 80s? Well, my uh, yeah, I got into the Munich Philharmonic in 1980. Oh, it was that, 1980. That fall, yeah. Okay. And uh, and so, basically, trouble started pretty, pretty, pretty much right away. <laughs> but you won that audition outright. Oh yeah, fair and square. Right. Yes. Yes. I. Um, yeah, I, I had applied. I was okay. My first job was in at the Royal Opera House in Turin as principal trombone, mm -hmm. and. And I knew some colleagues, some American colleagues from the radio orchestra there, and they were all a Twitter about um, jobs in Germany, mm -hmm. and they were they were you know going to try, and and they said you know you know you know there are better orchestras and everything, and there are permanent jobs, and in Italy we're kind of going from year contract to year contract, you know, mm -hmm. which seemed okay at that age and mm -hmm. fine with me. So I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll apply to, you know. So I sent out 11 invitations or, you know, not invitations. Applications. Applications, mm -hmm. thank sure. you. Sure. Mm -hmm. And because um, there were 11 openings in the Das Orchester magazine at that mm -hmm. time, one of them being second trombone in Vienna Phil. There were some great jobs, mm -hmm. you know, Munich Opera, Munich Philharmonic, uh, the radio orchestra in Cologne was open. I mean, just wow. great jobs. You know. Did you audition? At and so I sent all these applications out, and I got one invitation, one answer back, and that was from the Munich Philharmonic, mm -hmm. and it was addressed to a Herr Abby Conant, Mr. Abby Conant. <laughs> so they apparently didn't recognize the name Abby. It's not a German name. Right. It can kind of be both sexes, I mm -hmm. guess, as a name. and Or they just invite. I heard later that they just invited everybody <clears throat> who applied. Mm-hmm. So 33 candidates showed up, I and mean, you draw lots, and I, my number was 16, and I heard later that they didn't take anyone after number 16, because they thought 16 was the one Wow! already in the first round with the Davi concert, mm -hmm. concert and, uh, um, and, then, and so anyway, then the second round, though, was really interesting. I never, I mean, most people have never even heard of something like this. They had six people got through, and they lined us up on the stage of the Deutsches Museum, which is a big concert, huge concert hall. Mm -hmm. One, two, three, like a chorus line, basically. And we had to play one after the other while everybody else listened. All the other competitors listened. And so they went down the line. They had to play three or four excerpts. And then so by I was the last one, you know, I was mm -hmm. the sixth one. And so I got to hear how exactly how everyone else played. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking, if I don't drop my slide or something, I can play better than them. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just right. knew. And I, right. oh, my God. And because um, <clears throat> I'd worked really hard on my audition, my excerpts and mm -hmm. all that. And, and so, yeah, so then the next round was just myself and this German guy. And there was a whole story behind him. His father was literally in the public listening, which was mm -hmm. actually verboten. But he, his father played in another orchestra in Munich, and there was a 
couple of colleagues that wanted this kid in the orchestra, and mm -hmm. they were going to try to pull a fast one, I guess. And um, anyway, so I played a couple of rounds with him, mm -hmm. and I was like, God, you know, I I played that a lot better than he did. Why does he keep getting, you know, we did two or three rounds, I guess, together, mm -hmm. excerpts. And then they, we waited and waited and waited a long time between each one. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't seem natural. Mm -hmm. Anyway, finally, to, to cut a long story short, this the woman came out, the orchestra manager, whoever she was, and, and shook his hand, and, and I thought, okay, well, I started to put my heart away. Mm -hmm. And then she came up to me and shook my hand and said something in German, which I did not understand at that point. And... Um, and she looked at me and she, you know, she got no reaction. So she said, you don't understand German, do you? I said, I'm sorry, no, I don't. <laughs> she said, well, you have the job. <laughs> and I just wow. sort of went, oh, okay, <laughs> thank you. Oh, my gosh. And kind of hopped up and down a little bit. Yeah. And, and then the orchestra and the conductor kind of came back and congratulated me. And Was there any uh, surprise? The only thing... Oh, well, when I came out the first time in the, you know, the second round, or the first round, second round, sorry, first round was the concerto, second round was where we were lined up, like, mm -hmm. you know, six people. When I walked out, it was just like, <gasps> you know, you could hear, it was audible. Scandal, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, there's a woman. Oh, my God. And we all voted for her for, you know, number 16. Anyway, so, yeah. Oh, the, I did hear from one of the horn players, you know, later, mm -hmm. that uh, the bass trombonist uh, was one of the ones who wanted the other guy, mm -hmm. you know, the, and um, that he challenged the first trombonist who wanted to take the best player, which was me, mm -hmm. to a fist fight in the parking lot <laughs> right after. Guess that's the best way to solve everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, oh, you my know, goodness. it's like... Oh, okay, this is going to be interesting. Wow. <laughs> it's a long story, uh, but... But it's a great story. <laughs> I guess it is. It is. And, you know, I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, I'll be honest. It changed things. I'm a guy. I mm. don't get it. You know, I'm a mm. white... You can call me a white privileged male. I mean, I have not been oppressed. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to edit this part out. But I'm just saying, you know... Mm. But I do recognize when significant... I, I always root, I think the best person should get the job. doesn't matter mm. about anything. You know, mm -hmm. I know how hard people work yeah. and reward that. Mm. I think that's, you know, if. Yeah. Oh, I, so. I, it's, it's, yeah. Well, okay. This was 1980 in Munich and it, it's the most conservative orchestra, but there were huge problems. Uh, you know, huge problems. I mean, come on. You know the story of the Vienna Philharmonic that, did, that took its first not, woman, basically, in 1997. That's, that's insane. They almost made it to the 21st century without... <laughs> I know! They, they tried, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, so it, it, it kind of needed to be outed as a problem mm -hmm. because I think people people look at an would look at an orchestra and not notice mm -hmm. that there were no women or maybe one or two or three mm -hmm. you know it was just it wasn't part of our consciousness you know it's easy to look back I don't know were you familiar with the uh, the Bernstein New York Phil uh, 
what's it called, the young young person's concerts. Oh, those were wonderful. So I bought those a few years ago on DVD, and of uh -huh. course they're all black and white. Yeah. But honestly, the first thing you notice, and my kids noticed, they're like, Dad, there are no women in the orchestra. <laughs> yeah. And you look, and it's not only, I mean, there's no diversity no. at all. Mm -mm. Maybe in the length of the tie. <laughs> But that was it, you know? Yeah. And I think, boy, we've come a long way, but and mm -hmm. I know there's still a long way to go, but if it was that apparent to my kids when they saw that. Isn't that great, though? It is. And yeah. I was very proud that they they recognized that. But yeah. uh, what was that, the 50s, 60s, whenever that, uh, whenever those happened? Yeah. But great programs, you know, that, yeah. the, that part aside, the programming itself was... Spectacular, and Bernstein was, was great fantastic. performer. Yeah. you know, in all directions. Yeah, great and talker. What a, I was going to say, what a, he mm. could relate so easily to the orchestra, but also th to the audience. I yeah. thought, um, yeah. without, without without dumbing things down or yeah, condescending or, or perfect. That's yeah. exactly what I thought yeah. too. So, uh, first rehearsals in the Munich Symphony. How were those? Oh well, let's see. Was it a good band? I mean, was it yeah. easy to set in and blend and, and match their their sound? Uh, that wasn't a problem at all. Nobody played a German instrument in that orchestra. I mean, nobody. All the trumpets were American trumpets. Oh. All of the trombones were American-made. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was not a problem. Wow. So, yeah. There was none of that. There, that's more, that was more of a North German thing, mm -hmm. you know, to have, you mm -hmm. know, have to get a lech or something or a tine or something. Mm -hmm. Not a problem. Um, no, it, m most of my problems were s social mm -hmm. problems. I mean, in the sense of lack of enlightenment, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, just bigotry, mm -hmm. sexism. Mm -hmm. And the bass trombone player made it his job to basically try to mess with me and try to, you know, just try to trip me up in various yeah. ways and, and try to play louder or not play loud enough or, you know, just try to make me look bad. That was, that's his wow. job. <laughs> he was kind of a I think he might psychopath. need to reread his job description. I'm pretty sure that wasn't his job, right? It was <laughs> well, he, he, even he had a backstory. He, he was, he had been first trombone for like, I don't know, 10 years or mm. something. And um, the, 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 conductor before was Rudolf Kempe and he was a he had conducted a lot in uh, Great Britain and was you know more of a cosmopolitan kind of guy mm -hmm. more enlightened and and he always he apparently said this is not a military band this is a you know an orchestra we need women you know and so he hired the first women the string players mm -hmm. and harpists of course mm -hmm. and when I entered it, there were about seven women out of 120 members you know mm -hmm. that's really low um but i guess what i wanted to say was is this bass trombone player had been first trombone and they had the story is they went on a big european tour and uh, brahms first was you know on the program and this guy robert i guess just cacked almost every mm. Um, every concert and so Kempe was so mad that he he just he demoted him and he and he went down to I guess second third to Vexel you know whether you play mm -hmm. bass and tenor and so when I was when I entered he was still Vexel 
-hmm. And then he, and then as soon as he could, when the bass trombone player actually retired, that he mm -hmm. he moved all the way down. Mm -hmm. So I think I think he could be farther away from the first trombone. But he had it not only in it had it in for me. He had it in for the other my co-principal as well. Oh, he just hated any. First what a horrible vibe, player. right? Oh, it was, you know, I I actually got he was on my left, right? Mm -hmm. So I actually got some eczema on the side of my face where I felt like he, you know. Po with his poison glance, I think he, he created it wow. on the side of my face for a while. Wow. <laughs> so who outlasted who? Did you leave before? Uh, no, did he no, leave, he was he was there. He stayed. Mm -hmm. I mean, he you know. But so, um, but you know, I, I since I won all that that whole court case thing that went mm -hmm. on for eleven years. Oh my! Um, I I then won a won an incredible job as practically artist in residence kind of professor, mm -hmm. you know, full tenured professorship mm -hmm. right off the bat in Trollsingen. So, and, and better paid even. Mm -hmm. So it was, it, you know, there wasn't a lot of hemming and hawing. Mm -hmm. I was, I, I wanted to, I wanted to leave. And because mm -hmm. I knew that the harassment would probably never really end, mm -hmm. you know. Let's go back to Turin for okay. a moment. Alrighty. What what was the repertoire there? Mostly Italian, mostly opera. Yeah. Opera. Yes, mostly and Italian. We did Verio, we did uh, Verdi, Puccini. Mm -hmm. You know, and we did some some uh, symphony orchestra concerts, mostly ch children's concerts. Mm -hmm. Did you enjoy that though? Oh, totally. Yeah, it was a great first job. So knowing that you're you're going to Munich to audition, and but it's going to be a huge change in repertoire. Mm -hmm. You're going to be leaving most of the opera stuff behind. Mm -hmm. and Coming now, out of the pit. Right, <laughs> and, like and, on and on stage with more symphonic mm -hmm. repertoire. Mm -hmm. um, I had been, you know, had been trained to play symphonic literature mm -hmm. anyway. You know. Welcome to the middle of the episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is brought to you with the support of Messina Covers. They offer some standard and custom designs of trumpet bags, mouthpiece pouches, and more. And their customer service is excellent. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net. And now, back to the interview. So, um, now I'm just curious. Uh, was there a dream piece that you... Uh, it's like, I always want to play, I don't know, if Mahler three. Of course, that's usually a first trombone. Thing. Was there a piece you got to play, though, that... Uh... You know, strangely, my favorite piece, and it was one of the last pieces I played with the Munich Philharmonic that I had always wanted to play. It has, like, no in interesting trombone part or mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. Was Ravel's Scheherazade with solo voice. And, and that, that, to me, was my favorite thing to play. Yeah, that's not a well-known. That's not a well-known Scheherazade for sure. Yeah, but Ravel's. But that was it. Yeah, that's, it's a three three songs, mm -hmm. yeah, set to poetry. It's just incredibly gorgeous. So when you got to uh, Munich and then your tenure in Munich, and then pronounce the name of your town again for me, where you're, where you now, are. Now Trussingen. Trussingen. Yeah. Um, what what happened there? Was it more solo performance and teaching? Were you still going out and playing with orchestras? Yeah, well, I started, I, I, I did a little bit of gigging around with orchestras, you know, played in Bamberg and, you know, Frankfurt Radio and, mm -hmm. you know, just various little things. And then I just, you know, I don't have to do this anymore. And then I kind of stopped. 
-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just it just wasn't that fun. Mm -hmm. A lot of waiting around, a lot of traveling, mm -hmm. and it's kind of the same old, same old. And I'd done that already for mm -hmm. 14 years, actually, mm -hmm. right? And so um, I focused on chamber music and solo playing. And uh, my husband and I had been working on these pieces already in Munich and mm -hmm. done whole runs in small theaters with them. And so you're already together successful. before. Oh, we've been married forever. Yeah. Okay. We've been married 45 okay. years. Well, congratulations. That's terrific. <laughs> yeah. We met at, at University of New Mexico. Oh, how about yeah, that? Yeah, I did a year there. Oh. That's where I met him. Well, that's very cool. 45 years. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm. And uh, so, you know, we'd already, you know, developed these pieces. And um, I forget, where were we going with that? Well, uh, you're talking about the chamber music. Oh yeah, cha yeah. I mean, I, I, I was a briefly in a brass quintet that met in Zurich, basically, mm -hmm. with all you know people coming from various places mm -hmm. in either Switzerland or Germany, mm -hmm. and and then a, a trombone quartet. I think the first first all women trombone quartet called Prisma, mm -hmm. which was an incredible support and an incredible blast mm -hmm. to play in. Mm -hmm. And um, and and then also this music theater that we were developing, I was mm -hmm. doing quite a bit of that. Mm -hmm. And we we developed this piece called Miriam, which is actually a trilogy. It's ninety minutes long and three parts. And well, duh, it's a trilogy. But you know, <laughs> just in case you well, don't know what that is. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. You know what? I mean, there's going to be somebody out there who goes. Oh, well, now that makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, so, it, it, and that tr uh, was really an emotional reaction to what I had been through in mm -hmm. Munich with my, my whole story there. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, had done we had done runs of that, uh, that trilogy in, in Munich in mm -hmm. several different places and, mm -hmm. and had gotten great reviews and of course that really pissed off the city. The city was, um, you know, it was the city's orchestra, the Munich Philharmonic. Oh. It, was, it was, you know, and uh, and so when I did my court case I was literally fighting City Hall, you know, literally. Yes. So just, just like I was like a policeman or a fire person or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, and so it was tough because, you know, they they controlled Politically, you know, the judges and all this, you know, the, so there were a lot of delays and a lot of strange things happened. <laughs> probably should have happened. But justice prevailed, right? Yeah, it did in the end. It yeah. did. Yeah. One of the, the last judge um, was just so angered that the city would, would lie to the court that, you know, he just really called out the city manager who, you know, subpoenaed him and said, now... Usually in the labor court, they don't ask, you know, to you to swear on the Bible or anything. But this mm -hmm. guy, he said, okay, you put your head on that Bible and you you swear to tell the truth. Or mm -hmm. I'm going to put you behind bars for 15 years. Mm. He was oh done, you know. And so he finally had to say, yes, we're paying her less than her all of her solo wind colleagues, all 15 of them. Mm. She's in a pay, for pay category that doesn't even exist. You know, and they did that to try to appease the conductor, Sergio Celli Badaki. They were afraid mm -hmm. that he might leave if he didn't get everything oh. he wanted. 
So were they fighting you necessarily or an ideal or, or a precedent that may be set? They were fighting know? me. They were fighting uh, also that, that Chelly Badaki, the, you know, our GMD, uh, didn't want a woman on the first trombone. He literally said, you know the problem, Abby. We need a man for the first trombone. Actually said that. And I that. tried to talk to him about any kind of compromise. Do you want me to change my horn? I can change my mouthpiece. I can change. Do I, you want me to make a different sound? I get a da da da. And uh, then he finally said, no, you know the problem. We need a man for the solo trombone. And then I went, oh, <laughs> that's what's been going on. I know it sounds ridiculous. It but does. I, 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 I thought, gosh, well, why would um, you know a conductor say anything, you know, to you unless he wanted something changed? Mm -hmm. Well, the thing that he wanted me to change yeah. was too difficult. <laughs> you can't for me. order right. You can't <laughs> order off Amazon, or you can't order off. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So uh, that's that's when I, uh, you know, I didn't particularly have any sort of feminist consciousness or anything. It's just like. I heard and I learned that if you played the best, you got the job, and that if you were nice, people were nice to you. Mm -hmm. Well, I had to really revamp that philosophy. <laughs> and wow. one, one thing that really helped me uh, through the whole struggle was a book called Pulling Your Own Strings. Hmm. I think everyone should own a copy of that book. It's probably out of print. It was by Dr. Wayne Dyer. Who back in the 70s, his famous name. bestseller was called Your Erroneous Zones, which I don't think I ever read that. <laughs> okay. But the trumpet player in my brass quintet said, you know, I just finished this, and this is a really good book. You might be interested in it. Mm -hmm. And I and I took that book and I, ooh, and I I, I stayed up all night reading that. Which when, one was this? The, the not the Erroneous Zones, your but the Pull Your Own Strings. Okay. Right. And then the next day, I had this horrendous like rehearsal from hell in terms of pol politics and the mm -hmm. orchestra and you know, all this stuff because he had the conductor had basically just recently pronounced you know the problem we need a man for the solo trombone to me because I was offering you know well how about if I just play for you know guest conductors and then uh, if you want me to play assistant first or second for you know I can do that mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. you know then everybody would be happy right no he wanted to he wanted to change my contract from what they call solo trombone first mm -hmm. trombone only uh, to assist to a second and assistant mm -hmm. first mm -hmm. you know which was paid quite a bit less sure and you've had a lot more services right mm -hmm. and so you know that seemed like real overkill to me but mm -hmm. okay whatever and uh, anyway so we had this he had he one of the things he'd said is you He'd said to me in this conversation, which was in a taxi driving to another concert, mm -hmm. where that's the only time he let me talk to him. Right? Was here, get in the taxi. I'll talk to you. While Were I'm you going. even in the same seat? I was in the back seat. Oh. Very symbolic. Oh, goodness. And he kind of, you know, talked to me. Yeah. Wow. You in the back. Anyway, <laughs> um, and he said, you know, you've never played, you know, whatever. He named some piece. It was like. Prokofiev for Shostakovich or something. I said, well, um, not I haven't played that for you yet, but I've played it for guest conductors. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it was just he was just trying to think of stuff right. to make me feel like I couldn't play that or something. And 
and and then he and then he kind of would change some other piece, and I'd say, well, I actually I have played that, and, you know, I mean, it was kind of like that. And then finally, he just <laughs> said, you should specialize in, you know, the the French literature, you know, W.C. Ravel or something like this. Mm -hmm. It's like, where did he, he pull that out of his hat? What? Okay. <laughs> well, the very next, uh, <laughs> ironically, the very next program with him was W.C. and Ravel. Oh. Which was kind of his specialty. It was his yeah, specialty yeah. in a way, right? And so I thought, okay. I guess he was under the impression that he had he had scared me or in, intimidated me, so that I was just going to play second automatically. Mm -hmm, well, mm -hmm. I went to the rehearsal, and I just I was there first before the other first trombone, and so I sat in the first chair. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, let's see what happens, because I'd read that book, right? Pulling your own strings. Yes, and so I sat there. In the first trombone seat, looking through my music, and then one of the uh, orchestra guys, um, the represented orchestra representatives, came up and started to scream at me, right? And and I'd read like you know page forty-three, paragraph six. I have to ask: yeah. Is your German better than it was at the audition? Oh yeah. Okay, <laughs> so now you know what you're being screamed at. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh yeah. All right. And so and so I it, it said. If somebody's yelling at you, just turn your back. So I did. I turned my back, and the yelling stopped. Because <laughs> wow. he was yelling at my back, right? It yeah. was like I'd never even thought of that. Wow. Because I never had to deal with such hatred and... Ignorance. Insanity. Yes. And, you know, yeah. And so then he ran off, and I, I could tell he was going into the conductor's room to tell her, you know, you know, Abby's... You know, sitting on the first chair, and, the, and so so he came out to start the rehearsal, and kind of with this very very self-important look, like I get it, I have to deal with something. And he literally stood up on the podium and turned to the concertmaster and the first violinist and says, "I have I have to deal with something first. And then he he turned and looked at me, kind of like you know got mm -hmm. ready, mm -hmm. and then he just screamed at me, "Why are you sitting on the first chair?" You know, and you know what they call Commando Deutsch, Commando German. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of, oh, you know, if somebody's yelling at you, do not react. <laughs> you know, from from this book, right? Right. right. And and then he said, um, "You agreed to play second trombone." And um, you know, and I said, and I just sort of, I I just said, I did not agree. You know, it was just really, the whole orchestra, everyone was shaking. He, he was yelling so loud and so, mm -hmm. so violently. And I thought, okay, leave the position, he said. So I thought for a moment, and I, thought, okay, and I stood up, and I traded places because the other first trombone player had to, had, had to sit second, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And so we just switched chairs, and, and that was that. And then, of course, he called me in at the break. And screamed at me some more. And, you know, page 46, it said something like, somebody's yelling at you like that and very being very abusive. Then just describe what that they might be feeling. And I said, you seem angry. <laughs> I mean, it's funny now. It was not funny then. <laughs> But that you but had, I had tools the guts to, to say deal that. with it. I had tools. That's I had brilliant. never had 
these kind of tools or you know and so and then that of course put him into a complete conniption right practically foaming at the mouth and all the colleagues it was the it was like the you know the breakfast room kind of thing mm -hmm, you know where people mm -hmm. were sitting there with their with their vice beers and their mm -hmm. you know whatever liver cheese and and they were like their ears were like this big right trying right. to listen to everything right <laughs> and and then he, he just kind of wailed at me and it just kept going and you know it was obviously nothing was going to change you know with mm -hmm. him and so that was kind of just how it ended and then and that's when i basically oh, i had to decide whether to fight or not and mm -hmm. um i took a while to decide a couple of weeks maybe to mm -hmm. decide and I went to a friend and I said, I don't know what to do because I, I tried, you know, not tried just accepting this demotion mm -hmm. and it felt awful. I feel depressed and, and yet I don't know if I want to fight for three to five years or whatever the union told me. They said, you'd win, but, you know, it's going to take you up to five years. And I just thought that seemed like an eternity to me yeah. at that age. And so my friend said, well, why don't you just fight as an experiment? And so the moment I decided to fight was really the, my victory. Mm -hmm. You know, then I felt I felt in, like myself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I said it was just so you know, wrong. I, I sit here and I and I said at the beginning, or when we switched to the Munich mm. uh, conversation, I said you're you're a big deal because of what happened winning that audition. But I think the bigger deal is fighting mm -hmm. and yes. winning. Yes. That's, I mean, they're both remarkable accomplishments, but that, wow, that changed. Well, and then it wasn't five years. It, it was 11, you know, right? Is that what you said? It was 11. I mean, eight, <clears throat> eight to get my position back, and then five, wait, three, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, three to, to get equal pay with all my solo windmill colleagues. Was there back pay involved? Yeah, but not, I didn't get all of it because one of my lawyers had made a mistake and didn't turn in some sort of brief mm. to the court. So there was something it. at least. Yeah, there was. It, it allowed mm -hmm. me to actually put a down payment on a house in New Mexico, which was nice. It wasn't a lot, but it was a, a, a chunk. Obviously, you can never imagine that you're going to go through something like this. Mm -mm. No. How did that change you? I don't know. No, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, you're too so busy doing it. You know, you yeah. don't really know. I suppose if I look back, um, did it change how you like enjoyed music, how you approached the trombone? Well, I have to say, I had to have a moratorium on Bruckner. <laughs> I, I, we were a Bruckner orchestra basically. Mm -hmm. We played the three Bs, but mostly Bruckner. Mm -hmm. Recorded all of them, and every time I heard Bruckner, I heard. I heard the the voice of Chelly Budaki screaming over the top of it. Oh, that's horrible! <laughs> oh, no. And there's actually a YouTube video where he's he's conducting. I believe it is Bruckner, and he's and he screams. He says viola, you know, yelling at the mm -hmm. violas. Viola. <laughs> well, at least it wasn't you. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. On that one. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, Bruckner, I had to take a break. And then some of those, some of those Ravel tunes, like, uh, you were just kind of made me feel very mm -hmm. sad and kind of, well, I just brought it back. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Love Yeah. It's a brought it back. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think what I know of for the, of course, what you know, Bolero, but, you know, Capriccio that's... Capriccio Espanol or something, I don't know. Um, and, uh, you know, but I got over that. I've got, the, all of that is cleared up, and I'm fine with yeah. just all music. Yeah. It's no longer has any relationship to, to what I went through anymore. So you started into the chamber music. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, you know, with trumpet, there wasn't a whole lot of original stuff written for brass quintet. Well, it would have been the same for you. You mentioned brass quintet. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you playing transcriptions, original uh, arrangements? And we were just, yeah, we were playing pretty much standard repertoire. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it wasn't well thought out. Mm-hmm. Was it, <laughs> and it soon, like I said, it soon dissolved. I played in a brass quintet in the Munich Philharmonic for a while, and it mm-hmm. was also standard literature. Mm-hmm. And actually, the un, the most of the unstandard literature I did was it, it when I did the Yale chamber music thing mm-hmm. uh, with the New York brass quintet. That was mm-hmm. we did more adventurous things. Mm-hmm. And when you say adventurous, uh, were these new compositions? Uh, no. No, just no. just more modern pieces, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. And this was, again, in the 70s, so it was the Etler, maybe, and the, um, the Jan Bach, and, you mm. know, that kind of thing. Sure. You know, just whatever was new for back then. Right. I, I didn't really, I was never in a brass quintet uh, long enough to sort of, mm-hmm. they, they always, something always happened, mm-hmm. I mean. But you mentioned the trombone quartet. Mm-hmm. Did that go on for a while? That went on for a while, and I had to I had to stop after about a year and a half or so mm-hmm. because of the commute. I was the only one living in Europe, and that was just too too hard. Where was where was it based? It was kind of based in, well, Denton, I suppose, Denton, Texas. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, it's a heck of a commute. Right? <laughs> yeah, but it was wow. so wonderful and so fun and so. Yeah supportive and yeah. you know we all had our war stories and mm-hmm. and it was just something very new you know and we we got people to write for us mm-hmm. and um and arrange for us mm-hmm. so. so let's come back stateside before you go to europe you you got uh training you mentioned new mexico did you go to school in new mexico i went for one year because I, I i went to interlochen arts academy and mm-hmm. and after that, I I was I didn't know what to do with myself, and I, I thought I I was still divided. I thought I wanted to be a doctor, and, I, uh, and or do I want to be a trombonist? I don't know. Anyway, so I, I as a compromise, my I wanted to stay out of school for a year, mm-hmm. but my parents had a fit, and so we had a, our compromise was okay. You go to the University of New Mexico for a mm-hmm. year, or for a semester, and just see how you what do you think. And, well, as it turned out, I loved it, and I and they had a new trombone professor named Dr. Carl Hinterbickler. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a and great name. It, it is. Yeah. It's wonderful, and um, <clears throat> kind of behind the little hill. <laughs> okay. That's what it means, mm-hmm. and um, and he was wonderful, and he, you know, I went in and played for him, and uh, he said, you know, you could be a professional. I said, you think really? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he said, but you're a little, you need to catch up a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Learn these etudes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I just went, slogged away and, uh, you know, practiced a lot mm-hmm. that year. And then he said, great 
soul that he is. Mm -hmm. You need to get out of here and go back east and study with somebody in a major orchestra. You know, I was his best student and he was basically telling me to go, which was incredibly generous. Yeah. And as it turned out, I had met William um, at UNM and, um, and he had been invited by George Crumb uh, to study with him in Philadelphia. Oh my. So we took off to Philadelphia. And I studied with Dee Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. Carl was, we studied at exactly the same time. Oh, that's right. Because he was he, at Curtis and I was at Temple. And then didn't, he went overseas to play he in the opera. He went over, I remember the day, mm -hmm. yeah, when he was uh, asked to go over to the Bavarian State Opera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What an amazing player. I love his sound. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. And so anyways, you're back in, you're in Philadelphia. Yeah. Studying with Dee. Yeah. Yeah, and that was that was wonderful. He mm -hmm. was a great teacher. I had to kind of commute to his house because he, he didn't want to come to Temple because it was one of the most dangerous places on the planet because it was up, up against the North Philly ghetto. Oh. And oh, it literally was. Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah, trombone wouldn't uh, exactly be uh, like carrying a sidearm, right? I mean, trombone would make you a bigger target. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So, uh, were you studying orchestral repertoire at that time, or oh yeah, more etudes? And I was in a brass trio at that time. Mm -hmm. we, we we rehearsed a lot, and we actually got, gosh, I mean, we were chosen as the ensemble in residence at the New College Music Festival. You know, even mm -hmm. though I was like a, a sophomore or something, and mm -hmm. I don't know, we just clicked. Mm -hmm. It was two sisters, and. Uh, horn and trumpet and myself mm -hmm. just rehearsed like crazy and mm -hmm. sent in a tape and they loved it so so let's back up a little further where mm -hmm. did you find your voice on trombone where were there recordings that you or there people were no that you... recordings and the only recordings that were out there were horrible i mean as recordings mm -hmm. so you couldn't really tell how people sounded mm -hmm. you know like my later my teacher pair brevig had made like a music minus one recording mm -hmm. kind of sounds like it was recorded in a bathroom you know, or closet or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. there was nothing. I think Ron Barron maybe came out with a, a solo of French literature, and that, that was about it. So what were you using to model? And what were you using to, was it cello, violin? I think the violin, human voice. Vocal? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting, you know, you think about where you are now as you're using, you're singing as part of your Well, Carl Hinterbickler, I, I remember him saying, you know, you should learn how to vibrato. And I said, oh, how do you do that? And then he said, well, you can do this little exercise, but I want you to go in the listening library and listen to Dietrich Fischer Diskow. And, um, yeah. and then I, I slowly understood what that w was about mm -hmm. just through listening to him. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that really, uh, you know, impressed made an impression, I guess, mm -hmm. yeah. And I just had no, I had nobody mm -hmm. to copy. I don't, maybe I'm not the type to copy. I don't know, you know, I just. Well, I mean, we all I was do. kind of like always alone at Temple. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, there's hardly any other trombone players, yeah. you know, so, I don't know. Well, uh, you, you mentioned uh, Fischer Discal and uh, where I finished my bachelor's degree, the professor there, theory, and history, uh, I mean, they, they were all about these old recordings. I say old, but, you know, Errol, uh, mm -hmm. uh, 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 Samuel Ramey, 
mm -hmm. uh, which was a great bass voice, you know, mm -hmm. opera voice. Uh, but then I learned to appreciate people like uh, Barbara Bonner, uh, mm. Barbara Bonnie, Bonnie. Sorry, Barbara Bonnie. Incredible. Right? Yeah. And singing the Mahler song cycles, the, uh, I think, Duskenab uh, and uh, Wunderhorn, which yeah. just, yeah. and you know, I'm, I, I look at that and I'm thinking, why, why aren't we as why trumpet aren't players? Why are we trying to imitate that? Exactly. What the? Why right. don't we want to move people like they move us? What the? Well, What's that about? And first of all, it's just exquisite writing, right? The Schumann song cycles, well, the course. Mahler song cycles. It's, it's just music out there. And uh, yeah, so, yeah. right. Well, I'm, it's nice to get somebody else excited <laughs> about that too. I, but I love it. And I think, boy, that's where, and you can tell, I think the really great musicians, uh, they do emulate, or you can tell that they were trained. Uh, Sergei Nikaryakov, you know hearing violin or even Tomofey Tomofey Dokshitzer. Oh, Sergei. Sergei. God, I played at the same concert as him once as when he was like 10 or something. Well, that's been a while. I think he's in his 40s now. Yeah. Yeah. It was it's been yeah. a while. I interviewed no, him he was last year. 13, maybe 12 or 13. Yeah. Anyway. He, he should go pro. He might he might become somebody, you know. <laughs> he is I, and I'm kidding, of course. Pretty intimidating. He's, a, he's amazing. Yes. He but is. there are other great and fantastic players out there too. Mm. That, that Here, a lot of people are maybe a, some are, in, are sort of uh, <clears throat> have been affected by the human voice. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I guess. I wish a lot of uh, current pop stars would be uh, more affected by <laughs> the human voice. <laughs> you, and, you don't like that. Uh, the and auto tune and. and a little baby voice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure how to react to that. I don't know if I should turn my back. Or just, <laughs> I know. Oh. Yeah. So you know, I am gonna. Um, I'm gonna put a link uh, when I upload this to those two books that you mentioned, and if they're in print anywhere, you know. But at least what two books. Um, pull your own strings. Yeah. And, what, and what you mentioned erroneous. no, I just, erroneous. I just, no, only, I only mentioned that because it's, it was a the same, bestseller, uh, I and gotcha. that's what kind of started well, his career. Well, it'll just be the one book then that I. Put yeah, up pulling there. your own strings is, uh, I don't, probably no one ever read that <laughs> except me. You did, and what a difference that made, right? It made a huge difference yeah. for me. Yeah. So. Dealing with difficult people is something that should be taught in music schools. As well as Alexander Technique, if you don't already have it, and all these other, you know, body consciousness things, mm -hmm. body mapping, whatever is out there. Yeah. We, we should be doing this. We should be doing movement. We should be doing, I think, we should be trained as complete artists, as complete mm. performers. So what does that mean to you? Complete. Oh, Let's say I came okay. in playing trumpet. What would make me a more complete musician beyond just Knowing, studying trumpet? For instance, actually having thought about the relationship between gesture and phrase, like dancers have to think about that all the time, don't mm -hmm. they? Mm -hmm. I mean, but you know, if you make you make a gesture, when we're describing a phrase, we often go like this, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But all music is related to gesture. It's just another. Um, mode of expression mm -hmm. but there it's all one expression mm -hmm. and so you sing you play your instrument you know you move you know you gesture um, you there the whole the rhythmic things are all one you know coming from the body from the heartbeat mm -hmm. you know there's just all of this 
integration that we we basically destroy <laughs> learning how to play an instrument, mm -hmm. perhaps in an unintegrated way. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm, I do this. You know, I play the trombone. I play the trumpet. Whatever it is, it's like, um, you know, you actually start to hurt yourself often, or play in a in an unhealthy, unbalanced way physically, so that, you know, you you can you can injure your lips. Sure. You can you can get into all kinds of muscular and skeletal problems, mm -hmm. bad posture, um, and just not balancing, you know, your, mm -hmm. your, whole, your whole setup, mm -hmm. and then kind of letting that speak through your instrument, you know, the, the, the harmony of your body, in a sense, yeah. speaking through the instrument as well. It's all one thing, I believe. You know, I, I'm picturing my students right now thinking there would be a mass revolt if we tried to incorporate anything like that. But oh, it has to start. Oh, they'd be very self-conscious and all that stuff, <clears throat> but I think there are probably ways to to just, just kind of introduce students to to mm -hmm. things, you know. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know. I I I have I've I've thought about it a lot in in many ways and and I think certain uh, conservatories are starting I I think the guild hall has you know has movement for musicians and it's required for mm -hmm. freshmen so they kind of get that out of the way mm -hmm. you know so they're not all have issues mm -hmm. about it and mm -hmm. you know it's and there's a lot of macho going on in brass playing and a lot of our standards are just to me masculinist if you will sort of um you mean the stoic stoic approach, you know to... stiff and kind of mm, and then and then playing loud and big all the time, you know, and on, like you know, like you have an orchestra behind you all the time, you know. <laughs> I play like this, mm -hmm. you know. Not, and then you, not wanting to have different kinds of sounds and mm -hmm. different colors, and you know, just like any other instrument would like to have. Well, right? here in a lesson yesterday, it, it was just that we're going through and talking about dynamics on this one concerto, and I said, you know, if you're being accompanied by a pianist, you should play this. Mm -hmm. But if you've got an orchestra behind you, you play this. Mm -hmm. Because it is, it's all contextual and exactly. you know, you should always be aware of, you know, and, and that's a small example, but mm -hmm. I guess I'm trying to say that I'm trying to do the right thing. You are, higher, faster, that, louder you know? is exactly, you know, yeah. it's kind of the whole, the whole, the macho philosophy yeah. about brass playing, isn't it? It is, but you know, that's just kind of a catchy thing, I mean. yeah. Hopefully to get people interested in listening to the podcast, you know, higher, faster, louder. <laughs> but here we are talking to a trombone player who's, you know, I, yeah, uh, so whatever that. that acronym is going to become right. for, uh, you know. And there are different kinds of virtuosities, I think. There's, you know, there's virtuosity where you just, just thousands of notes come out hmm. flawlessly. Mm -hmm. well, that's always kind of interesting in a kind of a weird museum kind of way, mm -hmm. like freakish almost. Mm -hmm. But what do you want to say? Are you trying to say anything? Yeah. Are you trying to show off? Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? What what is your intention when you play your instrument? Is it okay to do both? I think so. Yeah. Why not? But I think what happened, in order to get to that crazy level of uh, of virtuosity, what what are you sacrificing? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mhm. Mm and what are you thinking about? What, what is occupying your mind and your heart and your soul? 
that's, that's to me what's important. We need to say, a lot of things need to be said in this world right now, you know? And digga 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 digga, ain't gonna do it, I don't think. You know what I mean? Not unless that translates not to, unless that's contextualized, I love you, right, and in, I, right? Well, or, yeah, yeah to some, in some greater, mm-hmm. worked into a greater um, mm-hmm. vision, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so what do you enjoy playing these days? I mean, aside from the this, uh, oh my gosh, I just forgot the name of your program. Oh, uh, Aletheia. Aletheia, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, what do you enjoy playing? What do you enjoy preparing and, and performing? You know, I haven't played concerti, you know, and stuff like that for quite a while. I have low vision now, so I don't read music. I have to memorize everything if I want to play it. So that kind of slows me down in a sense. Um, and I was never a great memorizer. So, I don't know, playing, like spending all of the time to sort of learn something well enough, mm-hmm. recital music, to play it is, is not a big motivator for me mm-hmm. to play the Grandal or to play the Schulek or, you know, this kind of thing. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm not, how shall I say, I, I have some solo literature that, that my husband and I wrote together mm-hmm. that really I feel is more my, something that I it really expresses who I am and kind of types of things I want to say and mm-hmm. the things that I want the trombone to sound like or to show in terms of its palette. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And um, just sort of like just playing recital music has just become foreign to me, which is okay for me. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm missing out, <laughs> you know? I do free improvisation too, you know, just spontaneous mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. I played in several several groups mm-hmm. and um, or with dancers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really very exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, other things. I played the shakuhachi player uh, for a while, and uh, I played with guitar. I've just tried various mm-hmm. harp. You know, various different things. Mm-hmm. So, very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Suzuki, uh, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, not being a great memorizer, but mm-hmm. um, my youngest is in a Suzuki violin program. Of course, they do everything uh, modeling to begin with. And, mm-hmm. and they very quickly, uh, this is kind of a misconception, they do integrate reading music fairly yeah. quickly mm-hmm. but a lot of it still is is rote teaching mm-hmm. and I'm amazed at what my son has memorized it's because he's not fixated on the visual and trying to interpret he's just listening and he's already making great music you know mm-hmm. it's not perfect but yeah and I think that's why Suzuki my wife grew up Suzuki player mm-hmm. um, great memory for that and the ability to hear and catch like that, uh, catch things pretty quickly. Um, yes, I wished yes. I had had that training yeah, me early too. on. You know, I didn't start music, <clears throat> you know, early, mm-hmm. and that probably would have kicked in somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, I, with the trombone, you know, it's. I I think also partly 
is, you know, when you, you have kind of used your digits mm -hmm. to play, like piano, then, you know, you just, you just memorize the hands, almost mm -hmm. memorize it for you. Mm -hmm. And maybe trumpet as well, you know, you just kind of have these clear... Oh, sure. The, the ends of the, the fingertips are, are, you know, nerve endings, and okay. so and they go right to the seventh cranial nerve, and, you know, there you are. Trombone, <laughs> we're just doing this out in space, literally. Yeah, you know good what luck. I mean? It's like okay, <laughs> this this arm length and this arm length and this yeah. arm length, you know, and maybe that's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it's just my problem. I have no idea. I don't know, but if it is, I hope you find a solution for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I tell you, um, oh, we're over just a little bit. I told you it'd be about an hour. We're about an hour and fifteen. Look at that. But um, so this is a great place to wrap up. Okay. Um, I cannot thank you enough. I have so much enjoyed sitting here and, and chatting with you and learning about all the amazing things that you've done and that you've got going on. And uh, thank you for sharing with me on My this. Pleasure. I really appreciate it. And I wish you the best with Alethea and uh, future endeavors. And uh, yeah, until next time, thank you. Thank you, Larry. Thank you again for listening to today's interview. I hope you enjoyed your time here, and please come back for more interviews. Be sure to share the news of this podcast with friends and colleagues, and give me a rating on whatever platform you get your podcasts from. Thanks again to Messina Covers for co-sponsoring this podcast. Don't forget that you, too, can be a supporter. Check out how at www.patreon.com slash studiohfl. And one more reminder that you can sign up to receive news via email regarding new episodes, merchandise, and more by going to palmusic.net and clicking on the subscribe to newsletter link. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you come back for more great interviews.